welcome to episode 313 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films to animation to TV and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to F them up. In our very, very humble opinion, today on the show, we have Sean Krauss, who has been the lead animator for the films Inside Out, Cars 2 and Up. And now he serves as creative director, animation and story at Spire Animation Studios. And he joins Spire after 26 years working at Pixar Animation Studios. Spire Animation Studios is a newly formed feature animation studio co-founded by award-winning producers and they have created a new way to produce animated movies. You will hear about them uh, in the next year or so because obviously we know how long it takes animation to come out but obviously you're going to hear it about in today's episode. Now again, I was away filming the TV series in Spain or Portugal or Italy or France or... You don't remember the countries? (laughs) All of those. I was in all of those. I I just don't know where I was when you (laughs) recorded this. I just wasn't able to record it. So, the wonderful Dom Noir and the man whose voice you can hear now, Tobias V's chatted to him. Hey, Toby. Hey, Charles. Tell me, what did you talk about with, with this wonderful man of animation and story and creativity and development? We talked about what it was like to start a new studio, how integral the storyboarding process is in the screenwriting stage of animation films. Um, we talked about the difference between live action and animation films. We talked about his learnings from Disney and Pixar. He talks about favorite moments of his that he was part of and helped to create in the Pixar films he has worked on. Um, he talks about leadership and he talks about his career path in animation. But well, we talked about so many different things. It's a true masterclass. We really dove deep into the world of animation. So It sounds amazing. I can't wait to listen. And you told me earlier that you've cut some bits out as well. Yes. Which are going on our Patreon, uh, where he talks about distribution. And he talks about influences and getting into animation as well, which really sounds key. So if you are interested in animation, then do check out our Patreon, which will be that particular episode will be dropping later this week. There are loads of other things on our Patreon, by the way. Uh, if you do fancy supporting this podcast you do listen uh, and you do want to support then go on our Patreon the Filmix Podcast forward slash Patreon there are so many so many clips that Toby cuts down that don't make the main episode that are still brilliant so uh, go on there and support if you can uh, any any bit of support really helps for example some bits and pieces from this week's episode with Phil Hawkins indeed where he talks more about the editing process of Prancer yes I remember discussing that. Yes, yes, it didn't make the cut. So that will be uh, in the Patreon now. So go check that out. Uh, And speaking of which, Phil Hawkins' episode where he talks about making Prancer a Christmas tale is available now. It is the episode before this. Do check it out. It is fantastic. Uh, It feels amazing. And his film is brilliant. It's so sweet and so Christmassy. Isn't it? So don't miss it. Yes, it brings you into the right mood. It's a really cute film. Brilliant. So there's that. Next Tuesday, well, this Tuesday coming up, we have... Another Sean. Uh, We're doubling up on the Seans. We have Sean Anders, uh, the director of Spirited, the Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell, starring other Christmas movie that isn't Phil Hawkins's, which is out uh, now as well. But um, yeah, uh, our bias is with Phil Hawkins. Uh, So do watch his first. (laughs) But do listen to the episode next Tuesday. Charles. Hi. How are you? Do you know what? I'm knackered. Thank you for asking. 
very tired. What happened? <laughs> I think in case anyone doesn't know, um, we have literally last night finished the tour, the Q&A cinema tour of Three Day Millionaire. Um, it has been amazing. Yeah. Actually, myself, Jack, and Dom Lenoir has been our tour manager on it. And it has been incredible to get audience reaction firsthand. Mm. Like most of my films have come out since lockdown, by the way. Like in pretty much all of them. So I've never really experienced this sort of cinema interaction with an audience. You just get a, a tweet from someone yeah. or a, an email saying, hey, I really liked your movie. Nice one. You're right. But this was people you didn't know. People you, you might never have met. And they come up to you and they shake your hand and they're like, no, that meant something. Mm. My, my granddad worked on a trawler or that connected with me because of my father. Or I, It was really lovely. It's mm. been incredible, really. Some cinemas packed out. Others... Not. <laughs> oh, not. <laughs> it was really nice. I feel blessed at the moment. I feel I feel incredible, and it it's really nice. You know, so many people came supported, and that sounds amazing. That was really nice. If you couldn't get to the cinema run, by the way, the Q and A tour, it is still on at Showcase Cinemas around the UK. But if you can't get to those, it is on Sky Store now and Prime and Apple in the UK. Um, it'll be out in other countries very soon. We'll let you know. But anyway, do support if you can. Um, yeah, it means the world. Yeah, so it's done very well. Very happy. Sounds magical. Um, and Sweet. what about you? Uh, you don't seem tired, but I imagine you are, because you're always working, you're always striving. So what have you been up to? Funny that you ask. Uh, I just I just finished a script this week with <gasps> really? a good friend of mine. Yes, we finished Ooh. a script to a limited TV show and uh, that we pitched in summer um, to a production company in Germany. And we already sent it on its way to Germany. And we're now awaiting an answer. Wow. Which is very exciting. Yeah. yeah. Very exciting. Yes. All those zeros and ones traveling across the <laughs> internet yes. sphere world. And it's been a year's journey, really, because we started the process of thinking about the show in the beginning of the year. And now, uh, mm -hmm. we just before Christmas, we, we finished the script and we are really pleased and, uh, yeah, very happy about it. Uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. How does it? Because that always, for me, that first or second or third moment when you almost write the end. Yes. There's this wonderful relief. Yeah, I mean, we were we were fucked as well. Like it was, it felt like a sprint because we wanted to finish the script this year. So it was really intense past few weeks where we just sat down um, two to three times a week to 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 write on it and to make it better. It's a it's a huge relief to finally have finished it and send it out to people. Wonderful. It's frightening as well. You know, people can make or break your your scripts and your enthusiasm and your feel for a project you know if someone gets behind it there's nothing better you're just like oh my god i feel great with, with the, this one could make it out and there's nothing worse than someone goes yeah it's all right it needs a bit more work yet oh. and that's okay congratulations that's really exciting i can't wait to read it am i the person you've sent it to you will be uh, <laughs> after recording this intro <laughs> well, I am going to listen to this with great affection. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. Again, I'm gutted I missed this one. So, sit back, relax. And enjoy this wonderful chat with Dom Lamar, Tobias Vies, and John Cross. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm awake now. So, yeah. <laughs> is it is it early for you? It's not that early. It's about it's eight a.m. and but my 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 boys and I got to take them to school this morning, oh. and so it's just kind of getting in here because I know he'll like to pop in and be on screen when they, whenever he can. You know, 
No matter how many times you say don't come in, he wants to come in and obviously say hello. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So how's how's everything going in the animation world? What's uh, what's life for you at the moment? Uh, it's fire. It's great. We just actually just launched our newly redesigned website. Um, mm. So spirestudios.com. So check that out. Um, and uh, we yeah, it's, we're just growing fast. We um, I think we're we. When I started, it was about six people. We're up to about eighty-five or ninety now. Damn! And we're just, you know, going going full force into our first film, Trouble. Mm-hmm. And we have a few more on in development that we're working on right now. We're kicking around other ideas. So um, right now, I'm helping. I was doing boarding for about two and a half years. Now I'm helping with animation, and it was just kind of being scrappy and kicking in where they can. And we're we're doing we're going to get ready for our third screening. So exciting times! So how how did you how did you sort of start to even think about the idea of putting together your own studio? And how, how did that formation take place? Uh, was it just an idea like let's do it, uh, or, or was there a group of you that sort of banded together and you started to put the wheels in motion? Well, I think uh, backing up a couple of years, I knew Brad. Lewis from um, from Pixar when I was at Pixar. And when he was directing Cars 2, it was my first opportunity to get into a supervisor role. So we had worked on that show together. <clears throat> and then we kept in touch over the years when he was producing Dragons. My kids were gaga over that. So I'm like, hey, congrats. We're going to be first in line. And we started talking. And I was also starting to, to want more. I think, you know, Pixar is wonderful and the big you know companies are fantastic. But at a certain point, you kind of get the tendency is to kind of get pulled back into what you you do do well, and it's hard to kind of break out of that. So I've been, you know, and what you know, sort of thing. Yeah, it's like what you excel at. They keep going. You know, we're really busy right now. We really need your help over here. Mm. So it's it's challenging sometimes to step out of that and really commit to some other thing you're doing. And and so uh, I I was talking to him just about my feelings and at one point I just said, "What are you doing?" He said, "We're starting. Me and PJ are going to start a studio." And I said, oh, you know, so we started uh, kicking ideas around. And and so they started the studio, PJ and Brad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was lucky enough to kind of fall in. And he was saying, what do you want to do? And I, you know, I kind of said, well, I can kind of, I can go two directions. I can go sort of on the leadership side, which I've been doing with the animation department, or I could kind of go on the creative side. And the next thing would be, you know, directing in some, some way. And um, so, yeah, so I came on as a creative director and that's how we kind of fell into it. But we all, I think Brad's vision of it was we, we want to make, you know, movies with really lean into modern technology mm. and use that to hopefully bring in films for a smaller price point. Um, because, you know, the, the whole market's changing. And especially we, we saw with COVID, it really amplified, you know, how things are being distributed and all the op- other opportunities that are out there. Um, and the and the and the ability to work hybrid that really you know forced that we all wanted that mm-hmm. and I, I think a lot of places pushed against it. Then all of a sudden when they when we had to do it, it was hey overnight we could do it. <laughs> so so it kind of opened up that uh, that uh, Pandora's box of working from home. So that's kind of how it's how it started. You know, I just I, I was craving something new, and Brad was as well, and we all. We brought a lot of people on who all wanted these opportunities. They, a lot of people have been doing it for 25 years, give or take. And I think we think you hear that theme a lot with people going, I, I, I just been doing the same thing. I need a chance to 
to break out of that. Mm -hmm. Was it just about the change or what was the most exciting part or thing about the new studio that made you want to come on board? It's really, I think the scrappiness. When I, I started mm -hmm. at Pixar on to around Toy Story, and I was in the um, commercial division first, and then we all got folded into the feature side. But um, it was really, it's really great when you're at a smaller place because you can wear so many hats, right? Yes. And so I think that's the really great thing we're all enjoying it and it's and mm -hmm. you're really close to everybody yeah it, you know when you, when you get bigger you're you just don't have that luxury to, mm. to to be that close were there any were there any sort of challenges um in adapting the way that you worked by you know having a smaller number of people you know from a logistical standpoint um with your sort of experience in, in working in big studios what what were some of the difficulties of this new venture that you had to kind of contend with i don't know if there was you know it's funny we all we all kind of speak the same language we're all wanting to aim at the same target or know things. I think the the biggest, if it's a challenge, I think the most exciting part of it is really getting back in touch with the outside world, mm. you know, for me at least, because I was at one place for so long and it, it's easy to get myopic and just go, hey, we do this very well. So now it's like I'm, I'm out and, you know, and, and I have to learn, you know, you know, how, how to board with Photoshop. I have to learn flicks. I have to learn you know, or I get to learn, I should say, <laughs> yeah. uh, I've been, I've been toying around with, in Maya now. Um, so it's all these other tools that the rest of the world's been using that, mm -hmm. you know, when you're in a big company, you're like, Hey, my machine's broken. And they're like, I'll get some coffee, you know, we'll fix it for you. <laughs> okay. I'll be back. You know? So, <laughs> so now you're under your desk and you're, you know, you're, you're putting it all together yourself. So yeah. it's really great. It's rewarding that way though. But I suppose it's almost like, you know, the indie filmmaking world mm. of animation. Um, and sort of putting putting yourself through those those challenges. I mean, was there like a sort of um, a type of story that you felt that you hadn't explored maybe in some of your other studio work that you were really excited about uh, looking at with the new studio? I and mean, was there a sort of a general narrative brief that you were looking at? Like, okay, we want to do these kinds of stories. We feel like we've done this. Um, I don't know if it was a specific story. I think um, Brad had two in his pocket four really that were around but two but the first two were century goddess and uh trouble and then we all said oh really we you know we're really gravitating towards trump troubles being <laughs> kind of the first one <laughs> well, not, not on the production side i hope <laughs> yeah, yeah. no no it just kind of it just felt just like that one trouble is from the word so, yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, we're all troublemakers. <laughs> so, uh, so it just felt like that was the right one to kind of go with. So Brad chose to, and PJ chose to go that way. But uh, I think as far as that goes, you know, the stories are, are going to come out of all of us who are kind of coming together. But I, I would say, I do feel like there's a overly heavy, uh, heavy influence, um, influence, influence, uh, influence. Um, people really lean into this idea that it's got to be a really specific personal story. And it's mm -hmm. great when that when it happens, but if that's your mandate, uh, I think it's easy to miss out on just fun movies. And I think mm. that we really want to be open to like Toy Story is something we all get. It wasn't someone's specific personal story, mm -hmm. and and I think that there's a bit of that that that, that uh, a lot of us were missing of like, hey, let's just make a really awesome movie and then also not having to be under, under a studio's certain style for as great as they are it's like these are the kind of movies we make and that because that's what drew me to pixar was that when i saw the commercials they were doing it was like warner brothers looney tunes you know meets 
Disney, you know, meets Muppets. And that's kind of in my head, how I felt like a oh, real connection to that. Now they're using it with a computer. So that drew me to that. So we're really kind of formulating what is our sensibility? We're in that really nascent mm-hmm. um, period of time. So, so when you when you begin a project, when you when you sort of say, okay, this is this is a story we want to do. We've got maybe a script. Uh, what, what's the process for? Because I mean, we have a lot of filmmakers, but animation's new territory to a lot of people. What's the process of sort of collaborating to get it from a script into something that you can kind of visualize uh, and create and put into production? I think the process we're all used to is. You know, the director will be with the writer many times and, and flesh out an outline. And and then they take that line and start, you know, like where it's at. So they'll, they'll put it into script form. And it's not always just everything specific. It, it kind of lays it out and you get a nice flow going. You kind of like it. You say, let's put that into storyboards because it'll really start to evolve and change. And you're going to see the movie. You're not going to be reading it. So let's not spend forever in script form let's really get it up Mm. on the screen and take a look at it so that's where it is it's a real volley between between story and and um storyboarding and that you know that i have to say it is there there is a chasm i feel like over the years of like oh no no, storyboarding is very different than than script writing and maybe in live action where you're kind of thumbnailing things out and just trying to get the camera right but in animation it is so specific and so much appeal and a lot of ideas and story points are, you know, evolve fully in storyboarding in that process. So I think it's, it, it, especially in animation, it's, it's, it's sort of a shame to not think of those board artists as writers in their own right. Why do you think is that, that the storyboards is such an important part of the um, developing process? Because obviously in live action, uh, you also have, it's also a visual medium where it's all about a certain camera style or a look of a film. And that's the same in animation as well. Yeah. Why is it so much um, more integral to, to the process um, in animation, you think? I think the, I mean, it's really, it's interesting because it is, it's evolving. Yeah. There's so much overlap now, right? So if you know yeah. a Marvel movie, maybe they, I haven't worked in visual effects, but mm-hmm. maybe the entire films are boarded out that specifically. But I, in, you know, in animation, you, when you put it up, a lot of times the characters aren't even really designed fully yet. So a board artist will have to come up with characters on design. They'll come up with locations, you know, in live action, you've got your, your sets, your, your locations. So you'll kind of thumbnail in what mm. you want. And then you go there and it's a, And even that starts to bleed over now. People will put VR glasses on and go into a virtual set and look around there. So I just think it's a real quick way to not be beholden to a specific location. And you can really riff on what what a scene could be mm-hmm. on the top of, a, of an artist's head or a director's head. Um, so I think it, it just, you know, it started that way and we just you can really put the film up quickly that way. So, so, it, so is the structure, because in, in film you tend, to, you tend to do the script and then you break down the script with the budget and then you find the locations and then you kind of look for the actors and then you sort of look, okay, well, does, does the budget and the actors match the commerciality and the sale of the film? But it, sound, it sounds like the storyboarding is sort of like the almost, you know, the blueprint that you break it down from, you know, equally important. Um, and then you sort of look at the budget and then, do, do, I mean, do you have... Is cast more influenced by the the sort of what the the, the storyboard artists create uh, in terms of okay this this will fit what the storyboard is or do you do you sort of give them that feedback going in like what, what, how does it sort of work in in terms of these these considerations? Yeah, I don't, we never try to let 
uh, a director's vi- vision be squelched early on by we can't do that. It's always like, okay, let's we're gonna go there. It's a great word. That's squelched. gonna be expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, a lot of times, like for instance, when we were on Inside Out, I think it was, um, we just were, we were talking about how many characters we'd have to build in these scenes and. I remember our producer Jonas Rivera saying, "Let's look at look at Sleeping Beauty. There's two establishing shots, and then you got all these these tight shots. So we don't have to do every sequence with all these crowds. So we'll we'll think of things like that. Like, okay, if this is an effects heavy film, if this is a crowd heavy film, if this those are the kind of things that they're just assets you have to build and have have to know going into. And then you get to a certain point where you might say, okay, we've bid all these things out to make all if you want." heavy effects. If you want the, you can have two of them, not three, <laughs> you'll pick your, pick your one you want to go to or two you can do. Uh, and if you're going to pick all three, then you got to pull back and be creative about how you use all those things. So it is, it is similar, but it's different in that we're looking at after the kind of film has evolved. We never want to say, uh, you can't do all those things. Forget about it, you know, and change your story. We don't want to, want to be driven that way. So, I mean, in terms of in terms of the market, when you're when you're doing all the storyboarding side of things, like, and I, mean, I guess financing the the project, is cast a consideration early on, or is, is all of this work kind of going on beforehand, and, and you're sort of forming? Okay, this is this is roughly the story we want to tell. This is the this is the style of art we're maybe thinking. And then the other stuff sort of falls into place otherwise. Because again, in, in film, it's sort of like it's often sales and cast before you can even green light, uh, you know, the film, even even with studio stuff. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. You're, I, I kind of grew up like a, <laughs> a kid in a, in a in a in a mansion. I you know I, I was at Pixar and Disney, you know, so I never really you know maybe on Toy Story there was a bit of <laughs> hard life, but we we always had a lot of. <laughs> luxuries you know yeah and uh have you still got those luxuries with an independent studio is, is it is that the same we're building the luxuries right now yeah. so it's, <laughs> yeah. no, it's like everyone and that's the thing you say do i going to have all these things and everybody because most of us mm. most of us have been around for so long we're like yeah we know we need all these things that takes time that takes so you know as we build we're kind of balancing it who do you bring on when and mm. what's the trajectory of us as a studio and a film so I think that's the that's the wild thing right now is that we're really trying to go okay this is what we how we would budget a film this is how we would do it okay when do we start and when is that sweet spot we'll have a pipeline that we need to to get into it mm. so um we're we're going full force on that right now what are your main learnings working at Pixar and Disney for so many years that you bring on board now that you're building up something new well I think the big one that I learned it, it uh, at, at Pixar which I which I don't know how common it is I think mm-hmm. probably at Disney and Dreamworks they used it but one of the things I love coming from animation was that um, when you're in a in a in a director daily setting everyone can speak up to the director mm-hmm. you know it's not we're not you're not going through leads that tell the tell the director or producer something you have a direct line mm-hmm. and it's, and I think Ed Catmull and and uh, and John and everybody from years and years ago, always embrace this idea that everyone has a, a valid comment to make. We should, we should listen to that. Um, you know, there's a, there's a tipping point. You just want to hear someone talking all the time. <laughs> you know, everybody just, yeah, right. But if you have a, if a good point, yeah, you know, yeah. let's listen to that. Let's think about that. So I, I think bring that over in a daily setting. I saw, we, we did a test and it was pretty remarkable because we worked with people, people who had done a lot of freelance. They really liked this, 
thing that was very natural to Mike Sherry and myself mm -hmm. as we work with them was just that, yeah, we have a daily sitting and they all get to kind of, Hey, what about this? What about this way? What about that way? And they were, they felt valued uh, creatively. Mm -hmm. So that's something that Pixar really instilled in, in me. Uh, and I think Disney and, and Mike was that, you know, valuing and respecting the artist. And what is something you definitely don't want to carry over to the, to the new studio um, that you learned or experienced at Pixar? Some, some workflow that you, that you think you, you can improve on now that you're finally away Finally, away. Mm. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> we use that on the headline. <laughs> finally, Not free. Free. finally free from the strings. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's. I don't. I don't, I don't know if you, you can look ahead and say we're not. We're going to do this or that off the top of my head, but mm. I, what I would what I would say is keep you know letting the the the, the work be in the artist's hands and let resolve it, not note someone to death. One of the things I think mm. it was a tendency was because in many ways, like you go to digital dailies and it's like, yeah. we're all looking at it to, to look at the final frame to go, Hey, let's see if this is, uh, this is, um, everything's broken or we need to fix anything. And it's almost a game to go oh, that, that pixel right there or, or that thing over there. So it became like mm. this reflex thing to note things and we, we kind of had to say unless it really needed let's you know let's not uh, go crazy because just because you can fix things doesn't mean you should so i think you know in the animation realm i'll speak to that is that it can it can be a little disheartening when you you know you've got someone who finishes a scene and then they go and they're and they're finishing it up to send it off mm. but then they're getting a whole nother round of notes of notes the dreaded studio notes <laughs> <laughs> yeah And, and it can vary from that's an excellent note to, okay, that's just different. Yeah. So it's really trying to monitor like how much, because for as, as um, rough as things were in the early days, there was a real, I think, sense of pride and joy in the work that you put out there because mm -hmm. it was yours. You didn't have 50 people, you know, squeaking and, and pushing around. So I, I, I do think there's value in that. I mean, it, it, it sort of seems to me almost very similar like uh, with animation studios to like a writer's room um like the way that it's the way that it sort of collaborates um and it, it does seem like a, a very much a team effort i mean what what sort of size teams um do you have when you're sort of putting together these these kind of things in terms of all of those elements from the story the storyboards to the writers to the the directors and the the studio heads um on your new your new venture what do you, i mean like early on or do you mean when when we're making it yeah i think i think early on when you're sort of forming forming the initial project before before you sort of crew up the entire production yeah I, you know um it varies obviously but right now for us for instance there was five of us banging away on the storyboard uh, side of things with um with brad and and a couple of writers and that was the real kind of center but it was really brad and the writers that were doing a lot of the the um you know, the work to get it out to us. And then it was us, you know, help helping put it on the screen. So yeah, I think, um, you know, thinking back to the, the Pixar days, I think, uh, yeah, usually like four to six people would be, would be really rolling around. Sort of core, core team churning things out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then depending on how much, if you were putting on a board, you'd bring more people in to really get it up faster, you know, but there's usually a small room of people, you know, and again, that could be a really long runway 
Uh, and it's less exp- that's the thing too. It's less expensive when you're doing it in boards than building everything and and having to undo it and then redo it. So it's a it's a, a less less expensive way to really write it and import it and try that out for a longer period of time and then go into production. Once you've started in 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 somewhere like Pixar, like well, what's the process in terms of your journey up the ranks? I, I suppose from from kind of what you were doing on your first projects versus where you kind of wanted to end up and, and how that journey sort of began. Um, well, I started uh, in the commercial division and did a few things and then. I co-directed a commercial. Then Darla Anderson said, "Hey, they liked your storyboards on this Levi spot. We want you want to direct it." So I, I kind of I did that. It was small, but film is so different in in many ways um, as far as the whole process. And so then I be I went to the animation department, and I was you know I love that. I still love animation, being an animator. But I think as I be, was in there long, for years and then became more of a leadership role, that's when really you become more intertwined with the film as a whole because mm-hmm. you're really starting to have to speak to the scene and think about, oh, I know I was in this meeting and then over here, this change, this, po- this point changed or you know, the level of anxiety is a little, should be greater here. So you're starting to look at the, at the filmmaking process as a whole. So I think that starts to then make you hungry for that, that other aspect, you know, and you feel like, I think for me, I felt like I'd done the acting bit of it. I'd, I'd scratched that itch. And I was getting more intrigued to be part of why the characters are doing things um, or are setting up the world. You're not just being, Hey, this is what we need you to do. It's like, speaking of the film as a whole and story ideas and being part of that process. And so that, that's what pulled me in that direction. Yeah. And then the leadership part of it too, you, you start to take on a bigger role and, and it's, it's, re, it's rewarding in a different, in a different way that you didn't expect. So I think that that was the biggest thing that, that you know, I had still having conversations just the other day with people. You, it's funny. You see now you've gone through it. And now you see everyone start to kind of approach that period, whether they're younger or older, but you get to a point where you go, I don't, I'm changing inside. So you, I had this thing where I, I've done more than I thought I would. What now? I never thought I'd want mm. to do something different. So that's a, that, that's something I would say, like, keep in mind is always keep all your skills <laughs> going. Don't, don't lose sight of that. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, it was kind of a completely different story, but it was, it was, it was similar for me. Like I, I started off in, in camera and, you know, I kind of saw, saw films as like things that you just sort of make, you know, you sort of put people in a certain place and it, you've got an idea visually of, of where it's going to go. And it was a, it was a very sort of logical way to put together films, but it had, it had, didn't really have that much thought on the message side of things and, and the stories. And, um, you know, as I sort of got further along, I learned producing out of necessity. Um, and then, you know, directing just became a, a natural thing because I, you, you sort of see all the other departments and you, you suddenly think, OK, well, I'd like to I'd like to be involved in that process as well. And it, it just became a, you know, sort of a natural progression. So, I mean, for, for you, I mean, did you always have sort of complete stories that you you were like desperate to tell or, or were you always happy to sort of inject these ideas into the sort of the center of things that were, were already formed? I was more intrigued by moments. I was more in, intrigued by scenes and situations. And that's what really you know, brought me the in the micro rather than the macro. Mm. And, and and again, it wasn't a, a conscious thing. It was just sort of 
what what do you gravitate to? What 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 do you do? So I would watch films and just look at you know these moments in time, and and I would really enjoy that. I wasn't really thinking of the whole thing. You you noticed it, you knew it was there, but it was more about falling in love with a moment or really really getting a big laugh out of a moment, getting a reaction. That that was the that was the fuel. <laughs> and then as it went on, and and then you start to go, oh my gosh, that that's why that makes that scene work, work so well because all this stuff that came before that, and you mm. start to, when you start to understand that, that part of the equation even more, it, you know, and really get the nuts and bolts of it, not just intuitively, it, it, it's, it, you know, you go, wow, I want to learn more about that. So it's a lifelong education, right? It is. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's one of the, the challenging bits in movies is creating those, those contrasts of moods. So it's not sort of feeling one note, you know, knowing when to go from sad to happy and from action into to quiet. And, and I think that's that those pacing elements are, are so, so important. And, and what you said just about knowing what comes before and what comes afterwards. What is the moment you're proudest of that you uh, helped create or have been part of? In your very humble career, <laughs> you have a humble career working <laughs> no. on one or two Pixar films. I mean, maybe you could, maybe maybe as an animator and as a creative director. Oh, yeah, I think you know on the screen that you know it's the, my three most rewarding things. I think were Finding Nemo, uh, Up, and Incredibles were all really wonderful things to be a part of um, personally. And I I think though being uh, well, I'll say well two two ways. Um, one. I, I got to say the one that really does always stick with me is working on, in, on Incredibles. I think that was just such a, a such a thrill, you know, I mean, time. I was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, being a huge Brad Bird fan and, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and he, and he was great. I mean, that was, it was like, we all were just like, I'll do anything. What do you want? Walk, walk on glass. I'll walk on glass. What do you want me to do? <laughs> you know? So <laughs> it was just such a, such a wonderful film and experience. And, um, so that is, a, you know, uh, saying a lot because so many great things that could be part of, but I think, you know, as far as the film, I think an up that first thing with Ellie, I, mean, I, I didn't really, I think I might've done one or two shots in there, but I just think that moment as a studio, that's a really neat moment where, um, you'll go through that bit and it'll just go dark and then you'll hear people in the audience, you know, you know, you're crying in the audience. You mean, you mean the intro? The intro, yeah, it, it's it's famed. I mean, it's it's literally famed as an intro, like as one of the, the best intros, sort of created in in you know outside of animation as well. Like it, it, you know, for for emotional uh, emotional um, pull. Yeah, Pete and Ronnie and Jonas and those guys just just really made such a wonderful moment. And the fact that they could do that, they let them do that. You know, that we're able to do that. Let's mm. say and put that on the screen is just really special. And then just you know, as far as you know leadership's going i mean i think it's just carrying on you know the traditions and the stuff that everyone set up before us and and i'm just proud to kind of you know hopefully take that over to spire and use the best of what we learned because we always emulated the best of what disney was in my mind we you know, tried to pull those elements over we always look to them for inspiration in many ways and look forward and back but but i hope we can bring that sense of uh of creativity and and joy to making a film that we all are proud of and did together and everyone has a, a sense of accomplishment and they contributed in a big way what's the difference in in terms of 
a directing animator like what what are the what are the what was the main sort of issue for you going from animator to directing animator to supervising animator in terms of job roles and like what you had to suddenly learn um, sort of taking forward and, and what you sort of brought with you to now? I think that it, for at least in our structure, you know, I, I talked to a couple of people who've done it after me that I was, that I worked alongside. The hardest thing for me was going from animator to directing animator in a lot of ways, because, mm-hmm. you know, you're in the trenches with everybody. I mean, you always are my dogs, uh, uh, animating alongside with everybody. And you, you know, you're having the same struggles and, uh, and then when you step into a role and you have to overnight say, you know, Hey, we got to hit quota. You think you're going to bring your shot in or, or you're giving someone notes, you know, um, who's just as experienced as you, you know, but, but you're in a different role. That is a real tricky and, and difficult way to transition mentally and kind of mm-hmm. stay friends, stay, you know, fellow artists with, but you have a different responsibility. And so it's a tricky jump. And then after that, it becomes more when you go to a supervisor role, then I think the harder thing is the responsibility that you have across interdepartmentally. And then also setting up you, 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 you're setting the tone for a show. You're setting up, helping set up rigs and the, and the, the team you're building to put together. So if it doesn't go well, or it doesn't work well, or you make a decision, it's going to affect and potentially really cause a lot of work for people if you don't do it the right way. Hmm. Um, so that, that's a different uh, burden that you're, that you, you're taking on or that burden uh, responsibility you're taking on by doing that. So, yeah. And I, and I suppose it's, I suppose it's not ruling with an iron fist, um, you know, because of the, the sort of the structure you've mentioned and the, and the hierarchy, you, you know, everyone it, it's, it's giving someone, notes or some kind of feedback without talking down to them i think that's the thing and it's i suppose it's about feeling respected isn't it at the end of the day and and maybe the fact that you've gone through as an animator made that easier uh, as in you sort of knew what, what their problems were and you weren't sort of giving you know sometimes when you have like a studio head and and i mean i haven't been in a, in a studio head situation but when you have notes <laughs> sort of passed down from a from a, a position where they haven't been in that department then it can be very frustrating because they don't understand, you know, they, it might not even be valid or, or, or coming from a place that understands the software or the, your, your job difficulties. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I mean, and in, in leadership, it's like, you know, it still is something that, you, you know, um, people have so many different ways of looking at what is leadership, you know, and you, it's, it's, you got to find your kind of way of doing it and what does it mean and how, and how do you bring people along with you? Not, tell them to do something, but you bring them along or set a, uh, a tone or set a, you know, just set a, um, expectation, I guess. I'm still, you know, again, that's another part. You, you just, uh, you, you know, lifelong learning, you know, on that. So, you know, luckily I've had some good mentors uh, over the years and, and each, each stage you're at, it's a, it's a little bit different <laughs> as you go to different areas of what, what you're doing. It's never, you know, this is what it is. Exactly. This is what, this is what leadership is. You know, to me, it's... <laughs> What's leadership to you then? How did you climb oh, up the, the, <laughs> the ladder? <laughs> or are any, any learnings you can share for people who are now starting out and uh, wanting to climb up and taking over responsibility as they move along? Any learnings you had? I was trying to think of, it, was, it was an interesting quote I heard so the other day but it's the gist of it was you know it, you know it is like it, it's helping someone else it's it's like always trying mm-hmm. to to 
to bring, you know, make them their best. It's always trying to support them. It's not about you. It's about um, finding a way for them to succeed. And then you, you'll, you'll be successful by doing that. But it's always look, looking out for them and, and setting an example by, uh, you know, doing what, what you would expect. You're not saying do this, but you just do it. And then I think that becomes sort of what everyone understands. And, mm. and it just becomes part of the, from little things, you know, just, the way you show up every day, you know? Um, yeah, I think it's really like, so, you know, I think bringing people along, you know, and empathizing and supporting, you know, other people to be successful. I think that's a, that's a big part of it. And I suppose it's positive reinforcement rather than negative reinforcement as well. That's a big thing. And uh, it's sincere, you know, sincere, you know, you know, you know, transparency, um, you know, not, you know, just being honest with someone and working, Working through it, and you know, uh, you know, being a leadership, you're not, you're not always right, mm-hmm. you know. Obviously, you know, so it goes both ways. You're, you're learning a lot from people that you were working with, and I, I wish I could find that quote now. It was a really wonderful quote, <laughs> <laughs> but he explained it beautifully. So uh, I think that's one of the sort of frustrating things in the in- industry. Like that, there's there's obviously a need of hierarchy so that that companies work well but sometimes there is a tendency to sort of look down on people who are like in the very beginner roles and and you know those people will become if if they're treated well you know your colleagues down the line or or they might become they might become your boss Uh, you know give it give it 10 years and it's 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 all possible and I, i always try and you know there's a time and a place like you don't want to run a sort of blurting out to the director in the middle of a, a busy, you know, shoot or, or, or meeting, but at the same time, you know, they might have a, a problem that's solvable. But if, if you are someone new, like how, how, I don't know if you're hiring or if you're, if you're going to be hiring in the future, but how would someone get in contact with you, your company to, to inquire about sort of beginning their animation journey and seeing if they're suitable? Yeah. Well, we have the website, you know, aspirestudios.com and there's a job postings on there. Um, so, you know, in particular tech, we're looking for tech right now. So, um, we have to build our pipeline. That's where I think you would start. And then a lot of times, you know, and we're always open for, you know, someone, you know, we, we, when we talk to someone, even if it's not good timing to bring people in, cause a lot of times, you know, especially with animation, what's nice is that in the animation department itself, when you get large enough, you can, you can use people's strengths and you have room to kind of moving around, but if it's a really small, a lot smaller team, that's harder to do. So, um, there's timing for when we, when we can bring newer people in and, and support them. That's the biggest thing you don't want to, you want to bring them in and be able to support them and set them up for success, not just bring them in too early and not support them. They say, throw them into the pit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You want you want to make them you know, walk away from any project or any, any, any job better. Right. So, 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 what is the sort of the, the you know as a very general timeline in terms of what the stages are of of you know storyboarding, uh, development, production, finishing off um, in in animation versus versus film. Yeah, I remember seeing uh, a director years ago say, "Oh my gosh, this actor he was on it forever. He was on it for like like six months." And I'm like, six months? That's a cakewalk." So for uh, <laughs> it's a long process, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For animation, it's, I mean, I think everyone would say four years, you know, but some like, I think Lightyear and Up took like seven years, the whole process. Yeah. So, but that's a long time in lead up in development that you're doing. And then for, and then when you get into production, you know, I, I, you know, animation, you know, a lot of times you'll have 
you know, like three to six months of a smaller team, then you'll ramp up at the end. But I mean, I think typically it was like a nine month sort of really intensive. We're into it for about nine months animating this, this film with a, with a, with a, with a good crew. I mean, hopefully you're around 25 people for a, a, a while on a film. That's a really nice small crew where you can actually, you know, try a bunch of things, have a bunch of work, your work on the screen, make an impact on character development. So, but yeah, it's, I mean, I would say at least four years typically to, to, to do a film, you know, when you have a pipeline and you have the story and you're a crew and you're going, you know, you're just rolling. It's a long time to be on something. I suppose you have to be very sure that (laughs) that you like the project. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Is there any sort of final advice that you'd give your younger self starting out? Had you known you now? save money no uh it would be uh, <laughs> go work for pixar <laughs> make your own studio well i think it is it's like be open to everything you know to to mm. learn everything to keep all those don't don't rest on the one thing you do well oh it was to be ready for the next challenge and and I, what i say to my kids too is like the little this is a little different but those little things that you do you know, learn how to pop your cheek in a funny way or make a sound or a little dance thing that you do or you pick up somewhere. That stuff will, will be, you'll use later on. It's funny how mm-hmm. you use all the little pieces in weird ways as you go or you learn this bit of software or this trick. It's like what you think about drawing. It's a really, I love all the stuff you can do on the tablet. You can do undo, redo, but there's something about doing a, a practical painting when you go, oh, I love this. This is okay. Just one more dot. Oh, it's ruined. And then you got to figure out how to like fix it. And so all that, it's that volley of old tech, new tech, you know, you, using these little tricks. I think that you just open yourself up and really keep, you know, being a student to the art and the world. And that's something that I wish I would have, you know, been even more into or knew early on. Uh, to to really to, to to keep feeding that everything on every level. Amazing. If that makes sense, I don't. <laughs> Thank you very much, Sean. This has been an absolutely amazing, insightful chat. Yeah, it was great to talk to you. Fantastic. And good luck to your studio and trouble. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> have you have too much trouble? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. So, like, that's super exciting, and the way you talk about it, like, uh, you can see that you're excited about uh, everything that, that that's happening with with the studio and and and, and the films. Yeah, I feel really, really lucky we have this opportunity. Yeah. It feels like the early days of Pixar, where mm, it's cool. It just like it's not like saying we can't do it. It's just like yeah. when are we gonna when are we gonna do it? That's so cool. Yeah. Good luck with that. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Bye. If you enjoy the Filmmakers Podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon.